Horatio Spafford. Some of you guys instantly recognize that name. Some of you guys are intrigued just by the quality of the name. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died of pneumonia in 1871. And in that same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Yet God, in his mercy and his kindness, allowed the business to flourish once more. On November 21st, 1873, the French ocean liner Via du Havre <laughs> was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Mrs. Spafford and their four daughters because their son had passed earlier. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, some unexpected business kept him in Chicago and so he wasn't able to go with them. He said he would, he would make it up later, though. He would, he would uh, try and get, get over there as soon as he could. Um, his plan was to take another ship. About four days into crossing the Atlantic, the boat collided with a powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Loch Urn. Within approximately 12 minutes, the ship had slipped beneath the dark, dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including all four of Spafford's children. Nine days later, not knowing what happened, Mr. Spafford receives a message from his wife, which began, saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spafford to his cabin and told them they were over the place where his children went down. While on this journey, he wrote these words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How would you react in a situation like that? Imagine the grief. Imagine the emotion. Imagine the pain. I mean, I, I, can't, even, I can't even fathom it. Some of you in here have lost kids, and you know exactly what it feels like. For some of us, it's, it's, you know, it's different, but still powerful. We've lost a dream. We've lost a, a relationship that we were that we were you know building we've lost a job we've lost finances for some of us in here we've lost all sorts of different things haven't we and loss tends to be a fairly common refrain if you sit down with anybody for any length of time you'll get to hear their story of loss i don't know what the storms are in your life i don't know what, what it is right now that is, that is so overwhelming, so oppressive, that you feel like you just can't get through it. You might be, you might be staring down a, a situation at work that's just, just so, so difficult. You might, some of us are looking at Christmas and we're like, I haven't, fi- I haven't finished paying off last Christmas and now I've got a, another holiday. All the decorations are in the stores, right? It's all, it's all there now. It's staring you right in the face. And you're like, I don't even, I don't know how I'm going to 
how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to make this work. Some of you have gotten a bad, bad report from a doctor, and you're in a storm right now, and the waves are crashing, and the boat is rocking, and you're like, God, I just need, I just need some help. Maybe your car broke down. Maybe there's difficult family dynamics. I don't know what it is for you. But here's what I do know. That we serve a God who's with us in the storm, and he has the power to calm the storm. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this idea that we serve a God who's with us in the storm, and that he has the power to calm the storm. We're in the, we've been in the middle of a series called Stories of the Kingdom. We've been learning that God's kingdom is any person in whom his agenda is being fulfilled. And so in other words, I am a representative of God's kingdom as long as I'm hearing his voice and I'm doing his will. As long as I'm walking with him, as long as, as, long as he is with me, I am a representative of God's kingdom here on earth. So God's kingdom isn't about a building, right? When we went downtown yesterday, we were God's kingdom downtown. God's kingdom is all of us. When you go into your workplace, God's kingdom is there. When you're with your family members, God's kingdom is there. When you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay all of the bills, God's kingdom is there. And that should encourage all of us. That should, that should, that should uh, inspire all of us. So some of the things we've learned are, uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about this, this parable of the mustard seed. And it's actually the, the, the few verses right before what we're going to read today. So we're going to be reading in, starting in verse 35. But if you back up to verse 30 really quick, it says this. It says, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable should we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds. It's the itty-bittiest little thing. And yet when you plant it in the ground and it begins to grow, he says it'll take over an entire garden. It'll, and he says even the, the birds will be able to take shade in its branches. They, this, this mustard seed, it starts small, but there's something to it, right? There's something about it that is powerful. There's something about it that has the ability to take over. <laughs> it's like having kids, right? So when you, when you have kids, you know, you're, you're just going about your day-to-day -day normal life, and then all of a sudden, you're looking over at them one day, and their pants are like mid-calf now, and you're like, I think it's probably time. I think you've been growing. I, think, I didn't notice it. Yesterday, I didn't notice it a week ago. I didn't notice it three, week, three weeks ago. But right now, I can tell because there's something wrong with your pants. I can tell that there's something going on there, right? And so, so it, it grows and it continues to develop. It continues to blossom. Or it's, it's, it's like when I make a bowl of ice cream and it just keeps growing, right? And I, I'm like, I have no idea how it happens, but it just it just. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> But in the meantime, okay, when things are growing, man, if you, if you see pictures of, of my boys, I mean, starting with Caden, well, starting with Judah, okay, is Judah in here? Judah, I'm going to owe you a Kit Kat later, okay. 
I have, I have a picture of Judah sitting on a couch where we set a two liter of Mountain Dew next to him, and he's smaller than the two liter of Mountain Dew. Judah, Judah, stand up in the sound booth back there and wave at everybody. Somehow, over the last 14 years, my little six pound, nine ounce baby boy grew into a monster. <laughs> but you don't notice it day to day, do you? You don't see the growth in the moment. I can't, I can't sit and, you know, even if I measured him every day, I wouldn't see progress from one day to the next. But he grew, and he continues to grow, and the kingdom of God is just like that, where it's continuing to have a work inside of you. It's continuing to grow. It's continuing to develop in you. The more times you come to church, every time you come to church, you don't get this massive revelation from God, do you? It's not, like, it's not like the heavens open up every time and you're like, whoa, man. And, and you can just feel yourself growing on the inside. Instead, you come to church and you attend small group and you start a Bible reading plan and you make sure to say a prayer before meals and you make sure, to, you make sure that you're, uh, you're, you're watching your attitude around people and you're, you know, you're starting to, to see some of the, the things inside of yourself that God wants to change. And so you start making changes, you start giving, you start, you start serving in church, you start, and, and all of a sudden you look back at where you were five years ago, you look back at where you were three years ago and you're like, man, look at, look what the Lord has done. Right? Look what the Lord has done. So this is what the kingdom of God is like then. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And you see it growing, or you know it's growing. You do, you're diligent to water it. You're diligent to churn, to, to fertilize it. You're diligent to make sure that it's got enough sun. And then you just step back and you watch it grow. But it takes a long time, doesn't it? And in the meantime, while it's growing, there are storms that pop up. It's like, God, why couldn't you have just waited 10 more years? I would have been, you know, I'm going to be a super Christian in 10 years. So just wait until then to, to give me what you're asking me to, to do. But he doesn't, he doesn't do that, does he? In fact, what we're going to see this morning is, is how the storms, how God uses the storms to grow us. So if you're in, if you're in Mark chapter 4, we're going to start reading in verse 35. That day when the evening came, it was getting dark, right? He's just gotten done teaching to crowds of people. In fact, he just got done teaching on the, the parable of the mustard seed. So he says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats that came along with them. A furious squall came up. That's a word I don't get to use very often. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. You don't want water on the inside of the boat, do you? We want to keep the water on the outside of the boat. Furious, you know, the, the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus is in the back of the boat, isn't he? And what's he doing there? I, I, I questioned this when I read it. Um, because if you've ever been on a boat in a storm before, or even just in, in semi-rough water, I have a heart, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not a, a, 
you know, a sea person. I, 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 I don't go out, I don't go out in the deep sea and, and go fishing or anything like that. I don't understand how all of it works, but I feel like if there's water going into the boat, that at some point you might like wake up and, and, and I don't know. But honestly, as I was reading this, I was thinking, man, how, it, 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 in my mind, it was, a, it was a picture of Jesus' humanity that I was, I was re- reading back through all of Mark chapter 4 and thinking about all of the teaching that he had done that day. And I wonder if he was just exhausted. And I wonder if he was just wiped out. And I wonder if he was just, you know, and, and there's, probably, there's probably some of it where also he was just so at peace with God, knowing that God had told them, okay, we're going to go to the other side now. And so he was, he was just at peace knowing that it was going to get done. But I think there was probably part of it where he was just wiped out. He was just tired. And we have to remember that even though, even though he was fully God, he was also fully human. And he had rough days. And he had times where he was in the middle of the storm too. But you see the difference between his posture and the posture of the disciples, don't you? Let's read that again. Uh, Jesus, oh, I guess we hadn't got there quite yet. Okay, verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping on a cushion. The disciples run frantically to where Jesus is, which is honestly the best thing that you can do in that situation, right? If you're in the middle of a storm, the best thing you can do is to run to where Jesus is. So they, they run back there, they, they shake him, they wake him up. I like to imagine that Jesus is like wiping the sleep out of his eyes and, and he's, he's like, just five more minutes. Just No, that, that's me with my kids. Um, Jesus is always full of grace and compassion. So he did not yell at the disciples in this moment. Instead, what does he do? He yells at the wind and the waves, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, the disciples woke him, said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. I need five more minutes and you're interrupting my beauty sleep right now. I think that's what he said. I think that was, it's in the Hebrew. If you go, or the, this was written in Greek, not Hebrew, but it's in the Greek. If you go back there, it's a, it says that. Just trust me. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he said to his disciples then, so the, the wind and the waves calmed down, right? Perfectly calm see now. The, the interesting thing to me again, because I'm not, I'm not a, a fisherman. I don't, I don't understand this, but He's in a boat with a bunch of experienced fishermen. And this, this storm was enough to make them start to panic. And yet, and yet the, you know, at the end of this, Jesus speaks to the storm. Everything's calm. And he looks at his disciples. And what does he say to him? He says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? This actually happened earlier in, in Jesus' ministry. And so they're, they're still, you know, in some ways getting to know him a little bit. They haven't experienced all of the things that Jesus would eventually show, him, show them. But still, they've seen enough, haven't they? They've experienced enough. They've seen the, the feeding of the 5,000. They've seen how God has come through in different ways. And Jesus is like, you know, what gives, guys? Why, why were you so afraid 
of this. Where's your faith? Do you still have no faith, he says. And, and actually, this next part is the first time in the text, even though I, I played it up for dramatic effect, this is the first time in the text where it says that the disciples were scared. The sea was calm now, but the first time that the text calls out that the disciples are scared is not when they were facing down the wind and the waves, but now there's somebody sitting in front of them that is greater than the wind and the waves, that has control over the wind and the waves, that when he speaks, the wind and the waves have to listen. And so they ask themselves, who is this? I can't even, I can't even, I can't even comprehend this, that he would just speak and the wind and the waves are calm. A couple things that we notice in this, in this passage. Uh, first, first one, that it was Jesus that led them into the storm. So when we, when we look at verse 35, Jesus is the one that says, let us go to the other side. Jesus is the one that led them into the, into the storm. And they're learning to be obedient, aren't they? And a lot of you guys are learning to be obedient right now as well. So you heard God's voice. They heard God's voice. They listened to what he said. And then, and then they're like, okay, Jesus says, go to the other side. We're going to the other side. I don't know if they could see in the clouds. You know, again, these are experienced fishermen, right? One of the things that, that's kind of unique about the Sea of Galilee and where it's positioned is it does have these, these storms that, that flare up rapidly. They, that just seem to come out of nowhere. It's because of the geography of the land and stuff. And so, so they might not have had any, any forewarning that there was going to be a storm coming, or they might have thought that they could get across before it got there. But either way, they get to, uh, they get in the boat and they cross because Jesus is the one that told them to do it. Jesus is the one that led them into the storm. <laughs> and it's almost not fair, isn't it? When you do exactly what God is asking you to do and then something happens and then there's there's stuff that pops up and it's like you're I'm gonna save that for later um it's like you're you're uh you're going along you're like okay God has God has called me to serve at the church I I've I've filled out a next steps card I got a call back from you know from uh Pastor Gregory, I'm, I'm all set to, you know, I've done my background check. I'm all set to go downstairs and help with kids ministry. And you wake up the first morning where you're getting ready to go to kids ministry and your car won't start. And I mean, first of all, that's an attack of the enemy if I've ever seen one. But second of all, it's like there's a storm now. There's a storm that just popped up. Now you've got to figure out, you know, can I jump it? Do I need a new battery? What's going on with my car? You've got to call Pastor Gregory, say, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it in today because my car is having problems. I know that God led me to do this, but now there's a storm. And now there's something that's popped up. Or it's like, it's like in your, you know, in your, in your finances, you're, you're working hard, you're being disciplined, you're putting money in savings, and then that car breaks down. And now you've got to draw the money out of savings that you were going to use for something else in order to replace the parts on your car that need to be replaced. And you're like, God, I'm, I'm trying so hard 
to follow what you're asking me to do. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to trust. And you just led me into a storm. God, what is going on here? And it really begs the question, then, why would God do that? Why would God allow us to be led into a storm? Why would, why would Jesus take them to where the storm was going to be? That's something we all have to sit with, isn't it? Something we all have to, have to wrestle with. The, the problem with this question is that every situation is unique. Sometimes the storms are out of our control. Sometimes they're completely in our control. Sometimes, sometimes it's our fault for not checking the oil in the car, for not getting the oil changed. And, and even though we didn't intentionally sabotage our engine, sometimes it's our fault for not, right? So, so sometimes, sometimes the storms happen, and it's not God, but God still wants to use them. You see, we all want a testimony, right? But none of us want a test. We, we, all want, we all want to see God come through for us, but none of us want to be in a position where God has to come through for us. We all want to be able to say on the other side, man, did you see that storm? But none of us want to sit in the storm. And here's the thing about storms, is that going through storms builds our relationship with God. What did the disciples experience when they got to the end of that storm? First of all, they were terrified. But then they started asking themselves a question, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? And man, if you ever answer that question, if you can ever fully understand that question, that's where your relationship with God just starts to take off, doesn't it? When you really start to understand who God is, who Jesus is, what he means to you, when you start to understand that, man, sky's the limits then. Going through storms, then on the other side of the storm, the disciples are there, they're in the boat. They're looking at Jesus. And now they've got a new connection to him, don't they? They've got a new understanding of who he is. They've seen a new facet of his character. So when we go through the storms, it's the same way. When we go through storms, we start to see something new about God. As long as our response is to run to him. Jesus led them in the storm. Number two, Jesus is with them in the storm. We see that Jesus is actually in the boat first, and then he calls his disciples and says, hey, come on, let's go to the other side. And so they get in the boat, and they go across to the other side. And that's, where, that's a position that I always want to be in in life where I'm listening to God's voice, and then I'm doing what he says. And if God is in the boat, then I want to get in the boat. And if God is in the, the roofing project, then I want to get involved in the roofing project. And if God is downtown ministering to kids yesterday, that's where I want to be. Right? I want to be where God is. And so, so I'd, I'd like to think that, that God wouldn't even have to call me and say, hey, we're, you know, get in, we're going. And instead, I would just be so close to him, following him, ready to jump, ready to do whatever he asks me to do. Jesus is with them in the storm. And so when you're in the storm, then, what do you do? When you're in the storm, 
you can turn to Jesus because he's right there with you. Now, interestingly, in Mark chapter 6, just a couple chapters later, there's going to be another storm that pops up. And in this one, the disciples are out in the boat again. They, they had to have been thinking to themselves, okay, this is, this just, everything just feels so familiar. If you read it a couple chapters later, Mark chapter 6, you can read it later. Jesus isn't with them in the boat this time. And so what does he do? He comes walking on the water. <laughs> and it's like... So I wonder if they had already gotten comfortable with the, the idea that, okay, next time we're in a storm, we know what to do. We're not going to worry about bailing water out or anything like that. Our first response is going to be, we're going to turn to Jesus. And then Jesus took it up a level and was like, okay, well, now, now I'm going to take a step further back. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you to not call on, on Jesus, but to call on God, right? And, and so he's trying to build their faith. He's trying to, trying to stretch them in this. And so what we see here is that Jesus is with them in the storm. And it's, it's, again, I keep going back to this idea of the kingdom. Because every time they went through a storm, they learned something about Jesus. Every time they went through the storm, they grew just a little bit. Sometimes, sometimes we grow in big ways, right? Sometimes you see it all at once, but sometimes, you know, like the budding of a flower or something, and you're like, wait, that flower wasn't here yesterday, and all of a sudden, there's this new growth, there's this new bud, I see something different in the plant, but sometimes, sometimes it's just slow and steady, isn't it? And you're just, but you're growing, you're growing. As long as you're staying plugged in to what he has for you, you're growing. The disciples call on Jesus, and then we see that not only was Jesus, not only had Jesus brought them into the storm, not only was Jesus with them in the storm, but also Jesus can calm the storms in your life. Jesus can calm the storms in your life. When Jesus speaks, everything calms down. When Jesus speaks, even nature has to respond to the voice of God. Even, even the wind and the waves are silenced before God. If we were to keep reading, there's a, an interesting section of, of stories here. But if we were to keep reading in Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5, there's actually four stories in here that, that prove Jesus is the master over certain things. So the first one here is what we're reading, the, that Jesus is the master over the wind and the waves. The second one then is Jesus goes to the other side and they meet up with a demon-possessed man. And Jesus, uh, you know, it's the, the whole story of Legion and, you know, okay, the demons go into the pigs and the, you know, um, all of that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and read it later. It's a crazy story. But Jesus has power, not just over the natural, but he has power over the supernatural, doesn't he? So we see Jesus has power we have Jesus, see Jesus has power over super nature, right? Over the, over the supernatural, over the de demonic realm. Uh, and then we see, and then we see next, there's, there's two stories that get, get lumped together where Jesus is going, he's traveling, and he comes across a man who says, my, my daughter is dying. Can you come and heal her? He starts to, starts to make his way towards this girl, and then somebody touches the hem of his robe, right? And, and in that moment, power goes out from him. So Jesus stops. He heals the, the sick woman. And then he goes. And by the time he gets to the, the synagogue leader's house, the girl is dead. And so what does he do? He brings her back to life. 
Because Jesus not only has power over nature, Jesus has power over the supernatural, but also Jesus has power over what's going on inside of our physical bodies. And even death itself has no power when it comes to our God. Can somebody say amen? (laughs) So the disciples in this moment, okay, we're going back to the boat now. The disciples in this moment, the Bible says the, the, the literal Greek there is they feared a great fear. They were terrified. What did we just get ourselves into? Who is this person? And the, but what the Bible says is that in that moment, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we start to, when we start to understand just how big God is, We start to understand just how, I mean, I can't even stretch my arms far enough. Couldn't, couldn't wrap my arms around the world enough to express how big God is. If I started here and I could reach to the under, other end of the universe, I couldn't express how big God is. But when we start to understand it, it says the fear of the Lord, understanding how big, how powerful he is, is the beginning of wisdom. The, the tree, the kingdom there is starting to grow inside of them. We get to see it here in real time. Jesus isn't mad at him. He rebukes the storm. And then he, he sits down with his disciples. He says, okay, so explain to me what happened. It's interesting that, that there's only one time in the Gospels where Jesus actually rebukes one of his disciples. And it's when, when, G, when Peter says, you don't need to go to the cross, Right? It's, it's, you know, Jesus says, hey, I'm, I'm headed up to Jerusalem. Peter says, no, you don't need to do that. And at that moment, Jesus rebukes him. It's the only time in all of the Gospels where Jesus actually rebukes the disciples. Otherwise, he cares for them. He has compassion on them. He understands that they don't understand the things that he understands. And he's the same with you. And he's the same with me. So some of us, when we get into the boat, we... we um, there, there's such a, a, a fear that comes over us you know, about the, the circumstances, but also there's this shame that goes along with it. Because I can't believe God for things the way that other people can. You know, I see, I see people in the church or I, I see people on TV or I, I, I've been around people at a conference or something and they just have such a faith and I don't have that kind of faith. And, and so you're, you're wrestling with it and there's, this, there's, there's almost like this shame that says, well, I don't have that and I can never get there. And I don't, I don't know how to, how, to, how to get to that point. But Jesus here, he isn't mad at his disciples and he's not mad at you either. In fact, I would, I would uh, tell you that the, the main thing that the disciples did, the, the rightest thing that they did was even, even in their concern, even in their fear, turning to Jesus. And that's all he wants from you. When you're in the storms, Turn to Jesus. Now, sometimes Jesus is going to speak to the storm and he's going to say, peace, be still. And sometimes Jesus is going to walk with you through the storm. But either way, you're going to learn something about who he is and that kingdom is going to grow inside of you. You're going to become more like him because of what you're going through. So don't let shame keep you from Jesus and his body. We've been going through this roofing project. You guys have heard me talk about it a whole bunch. This last week has been crazy for me. I, I told the, the prayer huddle this morning, I was like, I was like guys, I, I, need, I need prayer because 
I, it's just been, it's just been a, a week of roller coaster. Um, my prayer the whole time has been, God, fix the leak, right? Amen. Fix the leak on time and under budget. That, that's, that's my, God, fix the leak on time and under budget. The, the project started late and, uh, well, we'll get to this in a second. So I have peace about where we are. But every bump in the road, I'm, I'm, what am I doing? I'm taking it back to God in prayer. I, and so, so Monday morning, I'm in here and I, and I'm praying, God, God, you know, we, we, we still need you. We still, we still need you to come through. But the beginning of the week, we were, um, about $35,000 short of, of our goal. And that's what I wrote in the email that went out on Thursday afternoon. There's a couple things that happened. It's, been like this. Okay. All right. The, the board can attest. We got really excited and then, um, okay. So, so we got to, you know, so we're Monday morning. I'm like, God, you know, praying, God, we, we need you to come through with this. We need to, we need to raise this, this extra money. And, and on Monday they start pulling off the, the shingles on the roof and they expose on the old building, some plywood that is unnailable. So they can't put new new shingles back on the on the old plywood. Now that's another fifteen thousand dollars to lay plywood on that side. So no, you know I'm doing the math, right? We have two sides to that building. It's not just one side. They only have exposed one side. We got two sides to the building. So doing the math, that's an extra thirty thousand dollars now that we need to come up with. God, this, this storm just got a little bigger. I think there was a little water that got in my boat. Actually, that happened Tuesday night because on Tuesday, you liked that transition. Um, on Tuesday, there was a big rainstorm. We ended up with another puddle of water in our, in our lobby. Uh, and so on Wednesday, I'm in there and I'm shampooing the carpet, trying to get all the water out. Those of you that were here on Wednesday night, you heard the fans and uh, some of you had to walk through the musty lobby to get here. I was, I was shampooing the carpet and I'm like, God, we're in a storm right now. God, we're, you know, we, we need you to come through for us. God, what are you, what are you going to do here? And the whole time I feel peace, right? The whole time I know that God is with us. But there's this, this nagging in the back of my head. God, it seems like the cost keeps going up. And, uh, and the, the giving hasn't gone up yet to, to match it. So I'm shampooing the carpet and I'm praying. God, we need you to come through. God, we need you to, you know, we're, we're trusting you to take care of this. God, we know that you have this all under control. I'm not quite at the point in, in my peace journey where I'm like sleeping with Jesus in the back of the boat. I haven't quite gotten there yet, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm listening to God. I'm, I'm trusting him. I'm trying to walk closely with him. So I'm, I'm praying. I've got the board praying now. We're all, we're all, you know, calling out to God, God, we need you to come through for us. I know that God's spoken. I know that this is what God wanted us to do. We've been obedient. And so I'm trusting him in the storms, and I know that the kingdom of God is growing inside of me, right? I know that God is using this to work things out in me so that I learn to trust him more than I learn to trust in a bank account. Okay, Friday morning. Actually, Thursday, I sent an email. Then Friday. Thursday, I sent an email to you guys. I was like, hey, we're 35,000 short. Knowing in my mind it was actually 65,000, but I didn't want to write that. So I, I just wrote, 
35,000 short of our goal. <laughs> On Friday morning, we get a uh, correspondence from the insurance company. So one of the things that had happened was we've been arguing with the insurance company the whole time that if we try and take off just parts of the roof that they're paying for, we're going to damage the rest of the roof. And so if we, if we pull off the ridge cap, it's going to damage the shingles on the other side, then we're going to have to replace those. And so there was, this, there was this possibility, honestly, guys, that, I mean, we had already agreed to pay for the, for the whole roof, but, you know, anyway. Um, so what happened? So, so Friday morning... Thursday, we had the adjuster come out. We had the, um, the city came out. They did, a, did an inspection. Uh, Friday morning, I get an email from the insurance adjuster. And, uh, and I hope you guys are ready to shout. Because the, the, the total that the insurance company is paying for went from 77000 That's what we had told you guys before, to $165,000. <laughs> We were in the storm, right? We're in the storm. And it's like, God, how are you going to come through? And then the insurance company, God speaks to the insurance adjuster, and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll write you another check for $88,000. So we're just going to wipe out the, the rest of this. So they're, they're paying for most of the roof now, um, which, I, you know, like I said, there were some cost overages and things like that. We're still, we still need to raise about $18,000. But compared to what I was looking at on Monday morning, God came through for us, you guys. <laughs> we were in the storm. We were in the storm. Some of you guys didn't know it. Some of you guys were sleeping with Jesus in the back of the boat. You're, you're, you got your head on a pillow and you're, you're back there. But it's okay because God. <laughs> oh, man. God is good. <laughs> he is with us. Sometimes, sometimes he leads us into the storm. Sometimes he's with us, all the time, he's with us in the storm. Sometimes he calms the storm. And I'll tell you guys, when I got to, when I got to call all of our board members on Friday, I was like, man, you guys, you're never going to believe it. Look what God has done. Look what the Lord has done. We serve a God who is with us in the storm and has the power to calm the storms in your life. It's like, watch out, storm, because you haven't seen how big my God is. <laughs> you, you think you're big. You think you're powerful. You think the wind and the waves should scare me, but you don't know my God. You don't know who he is. <laughs> so Jesus has the power to calm the storms in your life. What I want to do now is we're actually going to watch a little video and because... You guys, some of you guys, probably all of you guys, you know, it's, it, it's actually, um, it's been said that you're either in a storm, you're headed into a storm, or you're just coming out of a storm, right? So all of us in here can relate to this idea. Now, some of you guys, you know, some of you guys, it's, it's physical. Some of you guys, it's financial. Some of you guys, it's, it's a relationship that's strained. Some of you guys, it's a work situation. I don't know what it is for you. But what we're going to do is, is I'm actually going to, play a video because I started this sermon with that story, story of Horatio Stafford. And so we're going we're gonna to play, I think it's the, the first verse in chorus. Uh, it's a, about a minute and a half video. And what I want us to do is I want us to, to take those things to the Lord in prayer. And we're going we're gonna to give those things 
over to him right now. And if you need to run to where Jesus is in the boat, and you want to do that symbolically by coming down to the altars, we're going to open up the altars right now as well. But, but we, want to, we want to give you an opportunity. And then when the video's done, I'll, I'll come and, and we'll wrap up. If you need prayer, if you want people, if you want your family to agree with you in prayer, we'll be down here. We would love to, to connect with you and pray for you. But what we want to do is we want to just take about, about a minute and a half just to allow God to turn, to allow us time to turn to him. Say, God, can you see the storm? I need your help right now. Let's go ahead and play this.